Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. met you. My name is David Harrington. I'm the location pastor here at our Jubilee Sunset Hills location. Um, and uh, if you're new to us, really glad you're here. Would encourage you again, like John, to just, uh, to, we'd love to connect with you at our connect point out in the lobby. Um, we've been walking through the gospel of Matthew. Uh, it's been quite a journey. We are in Matthew chapter 16. And uh, man, God, we really just feel like Jesus has been doing some things in us as a church as we have walked through this text, uh, challenged us, inspired us, and my prayer and hope for you today is that uh, you feel uh, God speaking to you uh, directly um, as we unpack this message. Uh, There's a moment in my life uh, I remember vividly that I wouldn't mind forgetting. It was... uh, my high school graduation, my parents are in the room, they're going to remember this moment um, well. Um, I was 18, I, I got dressed to go to my graduation uh, ceremony, slicked my hair back with gel, and uh, was at the front door. I remember this moment vividly, I was at the front door, I'm about to leave to get my car because I had to be there early ahead of the family. My mom asked me from the kitchen, she said, hey, do you know where you're going? And with all the confidence in the world, I said, absolutely, I know where I'm going, um, I have seen lots of graduations take place over the years, and, uh, and with that, probably with the most confidence I've ever had in person, I left the house, and I drove to the building, which was some distance away, um, that uh, hosted our graduation. I pulled into the parking lot full of cars, full of people, um, walked into the lobby, and I noticed that no one else had a cap and gown on. Still undeterred, my confidence not shaken, that I was in the right place. I uh, calmly found an employee. I said, sir, I said, where are the students supposed to be uh, right now? And he kind of looked at me a little puzzled. And then he picked up the phone. He made a phone call, and he put it down. He said, son, we don't have any graduations happening today. All the graduations we are hosting in this building are next weekend. My gra- I did not mess up my graduation date but I did mess up my graduation location. Um, and I felt the floor just drop out. I don't know, you ever had the moment where like your, your stomach just falls to your feet? Like that's what happened to me for that moment? Because I was right on time at where I was supposed to be in the absolute wrong direction. And I didn't know where I was supposed to be. I thought I knew. I thought I knew, but the whole time I was lost. I thought I knew, but I was headed in the wrong direction. Anyone else? Ever feel that way, confident you were going in the right direction, uh, only to find out the whole time that you were wrong? No? Only me? Good. Great. All right. Just just me. Our history, both globally and personally, when we're honest, is filled with moments where we thought we knew, but it turned out that we didn't. We thought we knew. We thought we knew how this, we thought we knew, but we were headed in the wrong direction. Direction. Most don't get their high school graduation wrong, but somewhere, at some point, you have gotten it wrong. At some point, you look back and thought, I thought I knew. One of the questions people ask sometimes is, what do you want written on your tombstone, right? They go, What's the, what are they asking? That's not, they just want to know, like, what do you want to be remembered by? Like, what do you want your life to be marked by? You know what no one has ever said to that question? I thought I knew. 
That's what I want written on my tombstone. I thought I knew. No, we want clarity. We want meaning. We want purpose. We want a fulfilling life. And I believe that Jesus wants to give us some keys today about living the most fulfilled life you could ever dream of. And I'm going to put a warning on this. There's some really challenging things that Jesus says in this text. Some really sobering things. Some things that, again, if we're honest, we really don't like when it comes down to it. But, but, if we're willing, if we're willing to look, if we're willing to go where Jesus, I believe, wants to lead us, I think there's something really beautiful that he wants to do in each one of us. And he does have a life for us, but it starts with death. Excited? I can feel it. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Already we can stop there and acknowledge that we don't like where this is going. Just be honest. We don't like where this is going. Am I right? No one likes the idea of denying himself and taking up his cross. A cross was meant for only one thing in the Roman Empire. It was an instrument of death. Its purpose was to end the life of the person who was carrying it. If Jesus was in this room, standing on this stage, and said to you, who would like to follow me? And he paused. Most of us, if not all of us, would raise our hands knowing that Jesus is the answer. Like, we're good Christians, we know. We'll follow you, Jesus. But what if he said, great, great, glad you want to follow me. Just be ready to deny yourself, pick up your instrument of death, and meet me in the parking lot. How many of us are jumping out of our seats at that? That's what I want to get on board for. Man, I'm really excited to die, Jesus. No, we don't prefer this Jesus. We don't prefer this Jesus. We prefer the Jesus where everyone gets healed and everyone's belly gets full. Except the problem for us is they are the one and the same Jesus. The same Jesus who walked on water, the same Jesus who healed the sick, the same Jesus who commanded the storm and it stopped the wind and the weather obeying his command, the same Jesus who did all that looks at the crowd and he says to you and I, hey, he says, will you deny yourself? Will you pick up your cross and will you follow me? And this is challenging for us because we live in a world, we live in a culture that preaches self-indulgence, self-fulfillment, self-satisfaction. We live in a world that preaches every minute of every day that, hey, there is happiness for you to have and it's just right in the next season, in the next thing. We drink from that well. We chase after pleasure. But what Jesus is asking and what he's standing in contradiction of is that message. He's saying, hey, I'm not asking you how your self-indulgence game is going. I'm asking how your self-denial game is going. Put the cross to the side for the moment. Let's just talk about self-denial. I mean, that's challenging enough. I mean, those words, self-denial, they're sin in our culture. That's a sin. I mean, people, isn't there a, I'm pretty sure there's a commandment, thou shall not deny himself. Like, we just deny yourself? A loving God wouldn't have me deny my feelings that he put in me? A loving God wouldn't have me deny these thoughts that he put in me? I mean, he made me the way that I am, right? Why would he make me this way if he didn't intend for me to live this way? Why would he give me these feelings if they weren't right? 
Sound familiar? Maybe said that yourself? I have before. See, Jesus says to every single person who's coming after him. He doesn't say it to a certain subset of people. He doesn't say it to certain groups. He doesn't say, hey, you group over here, you're going to have to deny yourself. Everyone else, you're going to be okay. No, he says to everyone who wants to follow him, everyone who wants to be his disciple, he says, hey, hey, listen to me, listen to me. Every single person, are you ready to deny yourself? The reason why we have to deny ourselves is because every single one of us has sin that we have loved. Every single one of us has pride that we have chosen, and every single one of us has selfishness that we have hidden. Every single one of us. And it's why that question when it comes to stepping out and following Jesus, like this, like this nagging voice wants to rise up and say, what's it going to cost me? What am I going to have to let go that I don't want to let go? Every single one of us has a soul that needs redemption and a mind that, re, that needs renewed so that we feel differently and think differently and subsequently act differently. And that order of events is very, very important. See, Jesus is interested in our transformation. He's interested in changing us. What we tend to do as good Christians is we'll hear really tough statements like this from Jesus. Hey, be ready to deny yourself and pick up your cross. And we, and we leave and we're like, yeah, I'm just going to be a little bit better today. I'm going to do a little bit better today and I'm going to do a little bit better tomorrow and I'm going to resist that sin a little bit more effectively. I'm going to do better. But that's not what Jesus wants for you. In fact, you cannot arrive at the place Jesus wants you to arrive if you live with that mindset. Jesus is trying to unsettle the surface pleasantries in us that can say yes and amen, that can show up to Sunday services that can volunteer, that can do good things on the outside. I think he wants to disrupt these, these surface pleasantry and he wants us to really take a deep dive of what is going on inside of our heart because that is what he's really concerned about. We see the surface. I see on the surface the things that you do. You see on the surface the things that I do, but God is not interested on the surface. He's interested in the condition and the devotion of our heart and where our heart is and he sees right through the surface. He knows whether we're doing those things for selfish gain or for a selfless gain. And I believe this. I believe his, his end game isn't to unsettle us and leave us there. That's not his end game. It's to reveal to us where our heart is so that we can have the life that he has created and laid before us. I believe that he wants to get in front of us today and say, listen, your pathway to fulfillment, and we all long for fulfillment. I mean, you can fill in the blank. In fact, that's a good exercise to do. Let me ask you this question. Are you 100% content today? Are you 100% fulfilled in your life today? If the answer is no, if the answer is no, what is it that you need in order to be 100% content?
See, Jesus says your pathway to fulfillment and contentment and joy is not a job. It's not kids. It's not a spouse. It's not a vacation. It's not a break. It's not a promotion. It's not a neighborhood to live in. It's not a school to get into. But it's a cross. Your pathway to fulfillment and contentment is a cross. Verse 25, for whoever would save his life, will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's just point out the really, really good news in that verse right there. There is a life to find. There is a life that he has for us. There is a life, in fact, that he wants for us. And it's a life that doesn't compare to any life that this world could offer us. There is a life to be had. It's not counterfeit. It is fulfilling. But the pathway to this life is a cross. How? How can a cross be the means to an end? I think because Jesus understands that everything, better than all of us, he understands that everything is passing away. That our life is comparable to a mist of of breath in cold air. Like we breathe in the cold air, we see the breath, and then it's gone. He understands that that is how quick, at the end of our life, that is how quick our life will feel. As I get older and older, time is not slowing down. It's only speeding up. And I'm saying all the quintessential things that older people say, oh, I can't believe they're growing up that fast. Oh, I can't believe how fast the time goes. Like I hear myself and I'm a little bit, oh my gosh, but that you can't, it's like you can't help it. Time is moving faster and faster. And listen, Jesus understands. He understands the world we live in. He understands how fleeting this moment is. And he wants us to get a hold of something deeper and more beautiful and greater than what this world has to offer us. And he knows. He knows that we grow up in a world where every advertisement, every TV episode, every billboard, every conversation with someone who's living in the world is saturated with the idea or somehow that we can have self-fulfillment. That we are, listen, we, you've grown up in a world where everyone preaches outside of the church that you aren't that bad. That you aren't that bad. That eventually you'll figure it out. Yes, there's sin and brokenness. But the problems outside around me are way worse than the problems inside of me. That happiness is just around the next season, the next set of circumstance, the next acquisition, the next relationship, the next job, the next promotion. And at the center of all of these beliefs that the world preaches is I can, I can, I can. And I think this is one of the things that today Jesus wants to put to death in us. The idea that I can. We have to come to the place where we realize, I can not. Say, I cannot. I can not. You encouraged? Be encouraged. You cannot. I cannot trust myself. I cannot lean on my own understanding. If I am to walk in the purposes of God, I cannot save myself. And when we reach for things from God, instead of choosing, listen, this is, a, this, is, this is a temptation. I think this is sometimes we do this and we're not even aware of this. There is a real risk 
to reach for and pursue the things of God, but not God himself. That's why we like our version of Jesus that heals the sick and says he loves everybody and all sings kumbaya around the fireplace. Like we want that Jesus. But this Jesus who says, hey, pick up your cross. Come on, we're gonna go die. He wants you to die to the what the world says you need around you. He wants you to put your trust in him. And if you will die to needing what the world around you needs, if you will die to wanting what the world around you wants, if you will die to the life you planned out and receive him as Lord and Savior over your life, he has a brand new life available for you today. And we don't receive a better version of life. We don't receive option B. What he wants to give you is he wants to give you a resurrected life. That's Jesus walked to the cross. He set his face like flint and he walked to the cross, but he had to go through the cross to get to the resurrection. And he, how beautiful, how beautiful is the resurrection? I mean, the resurrection has so many implications for us. It means that our faith is not wasted. It means that death doesn't have the final word. It means that the final word isn't a man dead on a cross. The final word is an empty grave. The final word is Jesus ascending to heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. The final word is that him ushering in a plan of salvation that no one could conceive and no one could accomplish. The final word is him ushering in a new heaven and a new earth where every tongue will confess and every knee will bow that he is Lord. The final word. That's the final word. Listen, you might be walking through difficult circumstances, but if you are in Christ, this is your hope. Your struggle doesn't have the final word. If Christ is your savior and Lord, if he is the object of your affection and what you're running after, the final word for you is a resurrected life. And that's good news because it brings eternity into perspective. It reminds us that we are not living for the here and now today. We are living for that day when we meet Jesus face to face and eternity stands behind him. It's your name in the book of life. It's joy forevermore, freed from every chain and every bondage and every baggage that comes with this life. And here is, I think, just an amazing thing is Jesus doesn't say, this is the life I have for you. Now just hold on till you die. I mean, happiness is coming. You just gotta die to get there. That's not the message. This is the beauty. The beauty of the joy is that Jesus makes it available now. Remember when he taught his disciples how to pray? He said, oh, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven right now. And see, when Jesus walked in to the scene and he healed people and he delivered people from demons and he walked on water, he was ushering in with him the kingdom of God. He was giving us a sneak peek of what eternity is going to be like, where there is no pain and suffering, where everyone is redeemed and restored and whole and new. That is what he is ushering in. And he wants to break in by his kingdom today in your life. Look, whatever 
circumstances you are living in, whatever job you are living in, whatever family God has placed you in, whatever school you are studying in, God has available to you by his grace 100% contentment right now today. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to, to wait for it. It's not around the next relationship. It's not around the next promotion. It's not, it's not around whatever it is, whatever it is that you're like, if I had this, then, then I'll be content. No, Jesus says, look, you may believe that, but I have never said that. Contentment is found only in Jesus and only in following him. And that is something for the church to be really excited about because you might be going through something now. You might be denying yourself now. You may be carrying a cross now, but Jesus has got a resurrection for you and an eternity for you. And everything this world could offer you pales in comparison to the life of glory waiting for you in heaven with him and available to you today. We know that what's coming is far greater than what the world has to offer because he says in verse 26, this is, this is a sobering verse. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? We know the answer. There's no profit in that, right? That's the answer. There's no experience. There is no life. There is no relationship, there is no career that we would ever stand before Jesus with eternity on the other side of him and him to say, hey, you wasted your life and forfeited eternity and us to say, well, that's okay because this is what I really wanted. That would never come out of our lips and he's giving, I think, a warning to those who think they are in the right place think they're in the right place and they're at risk for wasting their lives. And that's scary. We can waste our lives walking around full of confidence in our cap and gowns, dressed in all of our accolades and good grades, thinking we were in the right place all the while in the wrong location. What a sinking feeling it would be to meet Jesus at the end of our life and to have him tell us that though we achieved all we set out to do in this life, we had the career, the money, the popularity, the authority, the power, whatever it is, whatever it is, if we said that we had accomplished all of that, that we wasted all that he had laid before us. This is where worldly success can be very, 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 very dangerous, especially when we attach worldly success to God's, automatically attach it, I should say, when we automatically attach worldly success to God's favor, which we have a tendency to do, especially in the Western world, we have a tendency to attach, hey, you got that money, man, God blessing you, that, hey, you got that job, hey, that house went up for sale, hey, that relationship that you want, that, man, that is all like that, like we automatically attach God's favor to it. Do you know that there are people who have access, who have power, who have more money in their bank account than I will ever see in my lifetime? They have more authority. They have unimaginable wealth. They go on vacations where they want, when they want, travel the world. They have acquired much comfort in this life and not a single penny or pleasure that they have obtained is a result of God's favor. 
God is very generous in his blessing. I mean, Scripture says the rain falls on the, on the good and the evil, right? That's, rain is blessing. Blessing falls all around us. But he doesn't want us to mistake or misplace the things he's put in front of us. You can chase things in this world and you can get it. But just because you get it doesn't mean that's what Jesus wants for you. Just because you get offered a promotion doesn't automatically mean you should take it. Just because you have access to a higher standard of living doesn't automatically mean you should level up. Just because that house comes for sale doesn't automatically mean you should buy it. Just because that person is single and interested doesn't mean that you should automatically be together. It means there should be a step in between where you remember. And this is the key. It's not that those things are good or evil in and of themselves. It's just that Jesus is wanting to put in our perspective and remember our priorities. We aren't chasing the things of God. We are chasing after him. It means there should be a step in between where we exercise humility and we remember we want to follow Jesus. And so we ask him, hey, God, this has become available. This has opened up for me. Do you want me to go there? Do you want me to live there? Do you want me to take that step and be willing for him to say, no, I don't. If we are chasing our happiness, we don't consult God. We're pretty good at defining what we think our happiness should look like. But he wants us and this is, this is the, the, the paradox of this text. He says, look, look, you can chase happiness. And at the end of the day, yeah, you might go through a season like, oh, I, you might. It's not saying you will never experience happiness, but he's saying at the end of the day, you will wake up and you will regret the way you have lived. But, but if you follow me, if you follow me, and yeah, I see the cross, but if you follow me, Know that I'm good. You trust in me. Remember that I'm going to see you through. Remember that I'm going to redeem you. Remember that I'm going to make all things new. If you, if you follow me, you will, you will have the happiness that you actually long for. You can have the happiness you long for. It's just not found. It's not possible for it to be found outside of Jesus. We need to submit ourselves to one another We don't hear God perfectly. We need help. We need to open our life to one another. Look, I get it. It's scary to be vulnerable. The the truth is we have to open our life to let other people in. And you know why that's so hard? Because it takes an act of humility. It takes laying down pride to open our life and say, hey, what do you think I should do to receive counsel from others? But there is a real, real temptation. This world, it is not not a... um, it's a real challenge to not give in to the pressures of this world. I remember um, before I took, before I came on staff at Jubilee, I was managing a rehab department. Um, I uh, I had just I remember the and I remember the the week I got promoted. Um, I went from staff physical therapist to running a department. You know, I got immediately placed into a position of authority, operating budgets, hiring and firing people. Um, I had favor with my bosses and with my bosses' bosses. My income jumped 25% overnight. I remember all of that. I remember the one night specifically, I walked into my office just after my promotion. 
Most of the staff had gone home for the night. I remember I shut the door and I felt clear as someone standing in that room with me in a voice that no one could have heard, but I heard it ringing inside of me in two words, be careful. Be careful. And I didn't need any explanation. I didn't need God to unpack that for me. I knew it because I could feel it. I could feel the allure of success. I could see the, 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 my career ladder laying out in front of me. I saw something in front of me and it was very, very tempting. It was very alluring, like a shiny object I couldn't take my eye off of. But, but here's the good news. My father in heaven who cared about me and your father in heaven who cares about you, who went to the cross for you, he wasn't content. He wasn't content to let me go down that path. And he's not content for you to go down that path. And maybe today you need to hear that. Maybe today your father in heaven is saying, hey, hey, you've headed down a path and I see it, I, 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 see, I see where you are, but I see where it's heading because he sees that and he wants to say to you, be careful. Be careful, exercise some caution here, put up some guardrails around your life because the gospel of this world that you can find your happiness and you can, you can, you can have all the things that you want and the good that you define as good, it's available to you. Maybe that is what you need to be is what you need to hear today. Just those words, be careful. The Father beckoning you back to stay grounded in, in, in your foundation on him as the one that you are chasing, not the things from him. He is concerned about us. He loves that. He loves us. I think one of the things that was happening in me that he saw that I didn't see, that, he was, that I was quickly forgetting how I had arrived where I was. And I was quick, and I, and I was, I was uh, thinking, oh man, look at, look at the job that I got. Look at my accomplishments. Look at my money. Look at my success. None of it was mine though. None of it was mine. I couldn't have landed that job had he not put a brain in my head that could formulate sentences. I could not treat patients if he had not given me two functioning hands. I could not help, I could not have even been a physical therapist had he not paved the way financially and come through in ways that I couldn't foresee in order for me to get my degree to have that career. I mean, I could tell you story after story of how God made possible what was impossible in that season. And there is a real temptation to start thinking and looking at ourselves and saying, look what I have. Look what I have done. And here, Jesus is saying, listen, even if you acquire everything, even if you become the greatest person to ever live by the world's standards, if you have everything you want on earth, if we spend our time chasing what we want instead of chasing him, we gain nothing we forfeit our soul. And perhaps that is God's just warning to you today to stay grounded in him. And this warning isn't attached to a level of income. It's not, it's not, if you're not susceptible to it, if you make $10,000 a year or $200,000 a year, we are all susceptible to chasing after the things that the world says we can have. Listen, John Piper says this, and listen, he says it, not me. One of the great tragedies of American culture is the way billions of dollars are invested to persuade people my age to waste the rest of their lives. It goes by the name of retirement. And the entire message is, you've worked for it, now enjoy it. And what is the it? 20 years of play and leisure, 
while the world sinks under the weight of millions of healthy older people fishing, cruising, puttering, playing golf, bridge, bingo, shuffleboard, and collecting shells. All of this in preparation for meeting Jesus Christ face to face with nail scars in his hands. He said it, not me. Listen, you might say one of the greatest tragedies of American culture is people my age and younger than me pursuing that life. It doesn't start when you hit retirement. It starts when you're 20 and you think, this is the goal. This is the destination. This is where I want to get. Are those things wrong? No. Are those things wrong? No. But when they become the object of our affection, when they become the driving force, when they become the destination, then they become the God we are worshiping, and that is wrong. You know what fulfillment and contentment look like? Do you know what freedom looks like? It looks like a person who has forsaken all others to follow Jesus, knowing that in him, wherever that may lead, it leads ultimately to a resurrected life. You know what's not wasted? A life of saying yes to Jesus, regardless of the cost. A life chasing him instead of chasing things that come from him. We don't cling to what's passing away because we know that eternity is coming. Being with Jesus, worshiping Jesus in all of his glory. No more sickness, no more death, no more brokenness, no more aching. That is the, that is the then and it is the now as well. And that's the beauty. That is why a Christ follower can glory in our weakness, can worship in our suffering. And that's what the apostle Paul tapped into that we honestly, we struggle. And we just put him on a super Christian level. Paul wasn't a super Christian. Christian. He was a man called by God who understood that contentment didn't come from a set of circumstances. It came from the person of Jesus Christ. And that is why he can worship whether he's shipwrecked at sea, whether he's getting bit by a poisonous snake, or he's shackled in prison. He can worship and rejoice because his contentment wasn't based on his set of circumstances. His contentment was rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, when the church gets a hold of this eternity and this present reality, we understand that we have the opportunity to put on display here on earth what doesn't make sense to the world. It doesn't make sense to the world to rejoice in suffering. It doesn't make sense to the world to have peace in the midst of difficulty. The church gets the opportunity to do those things, to glory in the miracles and to rejoice in the blessing and all of the good that God does, but to understand that when trials come and when hardships come, and when difficulty comes, then we get to not just ask the, not ask the question, God, why are you doing this to me? We get to ask the question, God, what blessing are you producing through this? Because he is always producing a blessing for those who fear him. Let's re-examine our own hearts. Let's turn away from attitudes and ways of thinking if we need to turn away. Let's ask God to renew our mind. Let's not say, hey, he made me the way I am, therefore, however I feel, think that's what I should do. No, 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 no. Let's acknowledge, no, we've chosen sin. He has graciously saved us, and we need him to renew our mind daily. We wake up, and do you know why his mercy is new every day? Because we need new mercy every day. We don't operate off old mercy. I wake up and I realize, oh my gosh, I am worse than I thought. I need that new mercy today. Let's encourage one another and spur one another on to keep running the race with endurance, knowing that eternity is coming our way. Let's stand and we're going to pray. The band is going to come.
and we are going to worship and in a moment have a baptism and we'll get to celebrate new life in Jesus. And that is the beauty of when we see baptism, we see God has made a, taken someone's life and he's made it brand new. He's made it brand new. He has saved he has saved us. And I just wanna invite you, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, or if you've just adopted a version of Jesus that you like and you ignore the scriptures that are challenging for you, I wanna invite you to know the real Jesus, the whole Jesus, understanding that God over everything should ruffle our feathers. We should be challenged by him. We don't, in our finite lives, in our blip, we are never gonna fully understand the purposes of an eternal God who was and is and is to come. It doesn't happen. But when we look at the person of Jesus, we can be assured that he is good, that he is gracious, that he doesn't treat us as our sin deserves. He's not wanting to condemn you today. He's wanting to liberate you today from the pursuit of a life that will never satisfy you. Lord Jesus, we just pray right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you, Lord, help us. Give us eyes to see where we have put on blinders, where we have held on to things this world has offered us, where we have the, the, the attitude has existed or been created in us. Look, I, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but I really don't want to let go of the things I want to let go. Lord, let us put that to death today. Let us put that to death today. Jesus, Lord, we want to lay our life down at your feet and say, it's yours. It's your life. It's your breath in my lungs. It's your purposes. It's your good works. God, that is not, that's not burdening. That is freeing to know that. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you bring freedom to hearts? Would you bring renewal to minds? In Jesus' name, amen.